Hello and welcome to another message of the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. We hope and pray that our ministry is helping you get closer to the Lord and to understand more clearly His ways. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to contact us through our website at www.thelatterrain.org. We'll be glad to help. We would also like to make you aware that our English audio messages are now available as podcasts through iTunes. Please look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under Podcast as The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. We pray that this new service will help make it easier to stay in tune with us as you listen to what the Lord shares through our ministry. And now, as part of today's look into God's Word, we'll be briefly going through the latter part of Proverbs chapter 23 but we'll be looking at three things in general. Staying away from bad and toxic relationships, the problems with alcohol, and making it your aim to please and bring joy to your parents. So please join us for a few minutes as we go through today's message. Let's pray together for the Lord's guidance through His Word and His Holy Spirit. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise You and I worship You, O Lord. Blessing and honor and glory be to You, O Lord, now and always and forever and ever. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that You please forgive my sins and my wrongs. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I need You. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, Heavenly Father, that You might please Guide us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Please, Lord God, help us to understand clearly your ways, your direction, your wisdom. Help us, O Lord, to please have open hearts, open minds, to have soft hearts, Lord God. To help us to be attentive to your word, your direction, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to make your ways our ways, and your wisdom our guide. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person listening, Lord God. You may bless them, you may work in their lives, and that, Lord God, that your name may be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today we'll be looking at Proverbs, chapter 23, verse 19 to 35. And this is what it says. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine-bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. My son... Give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit, and a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait as for a victim, and increases the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent, and stings like a viper. 
Your eyes will see strange things, and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, or like one who lies at the top of the mass, saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I wake, that I may seek another drink? We will first start off with looking at staying away from bad and toxic relationships. Two groupings of verses deal with this issue because it involves different types of people, at least in this particular chapter. So we'll go from verses 19 to 21 and verses 26 through 28. Now I think we need to understand why it is important to stay away from certain people. Does this mean that certain people will be saved and others not? Of course not. Does this mean that we have to shun people for who they are? Not really. However, there are folks that are just not ready to listen to the truth yet. And that's why we need to be careful. If there's one thing that most, if not all people are, is influential. And if we tend to hang around with certain people and form some sort of intimate relationship with them, we start becoming like them. And there is one universal truth that it is much easier to drag someone down than to pull someone up. No matter how strong you may think you are, and most people make the mistake to think that they are strong, immovable fortresses, by spending so much time with people that are in the wrong wavelength, if you will, sooner or later, it will start affecting the way you act, the way you do things, and the way you make decisions. That's why we need to be careful. Bad habits are very easy to pick up. So we'll start with verses 19 through 21, where we are warned against wine-bibbers and gluttonous eaters of meat, or plainly, the drunkard and the glutton. It says again, Hear my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine-bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. The counsel that we receive here is that we should not keep company with people that have these issues. Why? The drunkard is either a person that is dependent on alcohol, to the point that they are physically dependent, or a person that still feels like the answer to life's problems or the way they deal with life is through alcohol, and of course, not God. Basically, in some way, fashion or form, they depend on alcohol and not on God. If they have problems, they need a drink. If they want to forget about things, they go looking for a drink. If they want to have a good time, they want a drink. There's always an excuse to have some sort of a drink. And the gluttons are those that have a similar issue, but with food. Food is their answer for good times, for bad times, or just because. They have a dependency on food. This is something more than eating something because we need to in order to survive or to just enjoy something with moderation. And both issues are associated and describe the partier. The partier is the person that needs to always have one or the other or both at the same time all of the time. These are the folks that are always looking for a good time. Everything is about the next party, the next escape. They want to live in a constant haze where reality does not exist. And that's why there is usually sex and drugs involved with parties, because it assists with the escape from reality. That's where most people have a tendency to try different things, and that's where they get hooked as well. So what these folks 
have in common is that either alcohol or drugs or sex or food or a party has more answers or meaning to them at the moment than God. If you talk to them about Christ, they're not going to listen because they're relying on material things, experiences, or on events for their completeness. And because they're still looking for answers in those things, if you hang out with them, they will only be interested in your company if you participate with them. They're usually going to try to bring you with them, and not the other way around. And if you constantly hang out with them, you are either already participating in some way or you will come to participate at some point. But that constant influence will sooner or later have its effect on you. Now, let's take a look at verses 26 through 28. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit and a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. We are warned here to stay away from the harlot or the seductress. The first obvious thing we can understand here is that this involves staying away from a person that abuses sex in some way. There are people that use sex to gain something from you or just for simple pleasure, but both are an abuse of sex. Or rather, sex is the answer to them, not God. Sex is a good thing, but it should only happen between a husband and wife. Not with your boyfriend or girlfriend, not with your friend that has certain privileges, not with someone you're paying for, not because you have nothing else better to do, and certainly not to gain any kind of favor or power over someone. While in the topic of sex, it is something that is beautiful, enjoyable, and great, but it should only happen when there is love in a marriage, because the unfortunate part is that some couples use sex even on their spouse. As opposed to it being a special moment, it is used to get something, to exert some sort of control, or to even fantasize about someone else. Remember that God knows everything, especially the intent of your heart, the reason for why you do things. So it is in our best interest to stay away from people who abuse sex because we can just become a pawn to them. If we get involved with someone like that, we're allowing ourselves to become their prey, their victim, and nothing good comes out of that, 100% guaranteed. And now, let's move to verses 29 to 35. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look in the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake, that I may seek another drink? Here we're warned against alcohol in general. Now, I know this is a very touchy subject for many people, even Christians, but please bear in mind that this is God's word, not mine. So if you have a problem with this, you will need to take it up with the author. And good luck with that conversation. In all reality, if Christ is operating in your life, this should not be a big deal to you. 
If it is, you may want to think about why it is a big deal to you and why it is a touchy subject. But nonetheless, let's explain this more because after all, everything in the Word of God is for our benefit in one way or another. God's counsel, His wisdom, is only for our good. We are given a warning to stay away from alcohol. It quite clearly explains that when the substance enters the body, something happens, and that we are not in complete control anymore. We read that alcohol causes woe, sorrow, contentions, complaints, wounds, and redness of eyes. What does all of this mean? That if alcohol becomes a part of your life, and its dependency runs its course, that sooner or later, problems will start happening. While you're under the influence, everything seems fine because you somehow become numb to what is happening at the moment, and you forget about other issues that may be occurring. Some people start to feel invincible, that they can do anything and take on anything as well. But after, when its effects have worn off, reality sets in again but even stronger than before. And also, you may have gained a new set of circumstances while under the influence. As I am sure that most of you are aware, when a person is intoxicated, and it doesn't take much scientifically speaking, a person becomes less inhibited, is less in control, and judgment is impaired. And of course, things that a person would not typically do start to happen. A person ultimately becomes more vulnerable to both outward influences and the evil attractions and intentions within themselves. Because sin still lives within us all, even if Christ is in our heart. Let's face it, people let loose when they have a little liquor in them. And if there's a group of people under the influence, a lot of things happen and go wrong. People get into sexual acts and experimentation, depravity. There's sometimes rape and abuse. Physical abuse happens as well. People take advantage of more vulnerable people. Bad decisions are made. Accidents happen. People drive intoxicated and either hurt themselves or others. Why? Because even though many commercials say to drink responsibly and to avoid drunk driving, how can a person make good decisions and be responsible when they are under the influence and surrounded by people that are under the influence as well? Can the blind lead the blind? Not really. Bad and terrible things happen even when everyone is fine and fully aware. So when either you and or those around you are not within a conscious state, how many more things can go wrong? Now, many people think they're in control and that they don't have a problem. They can handle their liquor, as they say. We're warned here that we need to be careful because it is something that can sneak up on you, if you will. The body is not the same every day. We can be fine one day and be in completely a different state a different day. And there is always a danger of developing a dependency. Science also teaches us that alcoholism can be hereditary. If it's in your family somewhere, sooner or later, if you get involved with drinking alcohol, you may have a much greater risk of developing the dependency. Ultimately, it's in your genes. So, what should we do? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things 
edify. Are we free to do anything we want? Of course, completely free. But just because you are free to do something does not mean that it is in your best interest or that is the best decision. But let's think about this for a moment. If a person says, you know what, I can live without this and I really don't need it anymore, so I'm leaving it in its entirety. That is a person that truly does not have a need or dependency on it. And of course, that is a wise person making a very wise decision. However, if a person says, I don't know if I can live without it, or I won't let go, or I'm in control so I don't want to deprive myself, or just plainly, I don't feel like letting go of alcohol in any kind of way, whether it's a lot or a little. I have to tell you that those are clear signs of dependency. You don't have to drink every day to be considered a dependent person. You don't even need to get drunk to be considered a dependent person. By the mere fact that a person starts making all kinds of excuses and giving reasons for why they should not stop and leave it alone, it is a person that depends on it. It's under its power somehow, and that is a problem. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. The moment we are brought under the power of something, and that can be anything, we are putting our lives in a place of bondage. And that goes completely contrary to the purpose of God for our lives. Christ died to make us truly free. But if we are brought under the power of something, Christ is no longer in charge of our lives, but rather that other thing is. And can anything good come out of that? Of course not. Why? Because if God is not in control of our lives, then something else that is not God is running our lives. And that can only be Satan. There are only two sides in this universe, my friends. God and Satan. There are no grays. There is no middle ground. You are either following Christ and living the life He wants to give each one of us, or you are following Satan and sin and acquiring death for yourself. It sounds harsh, and it is. But no one said that the truth would be easy. Lies are easy. Deceit is easy. Falling away from God takes really no effort. But the truth is challenging. Taking the things of God to heart are difficult because it defies the sin that still dwells within each of us. But the greatest gain comes from the truth, from pleasing God and doing those things that produce life. And finally, the last point, where we go back to verses 22 to 25. Listen to your father who begot you. And do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will rejoice greatly and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her who bore you rejoice. We are encouraged to honor and respect our parents and we should listen to them if they give us wise counsel. We are told to buy truth wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Now let's assume for a moment that you may not have had the greatest parents in the world. You still need to honor them. Now it doesn't mean that you have to follow their footsteps and buy bad advice. 
or example. But that doesn't mean that you cannot honor them. And whether we had or have good parents or bad parents, the greatest example we can ever have is God, the Heavenly Father. He has no equal. No one has done nor can do what He does for us, even when we have done wrong, when we have sinned against Him. He loved us and gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so we can be saved, so we could have eternal life, despite the fact that we are sinful and many times ungrateful people. That is the greatest example of love we could ever have. And when we look for Him, when we look to do what He tells us to do, mind you, for your own good and benefit, He rejoices. We make Him glad. He delights in us when we seek Him, when we obey Him, and ultimately when we choose to love Him. The Father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. I know that we have talked about things that are not easy to deal with. It is difficult to let go of certain relationships, even though we know within our heart of hearts that they are hurting us somehow. I know that it is hard to let go of things that everything else around us tells us that they are fine and okay and that you will become an outsider if you don't do them. I know that what God sometimes asks us to do is hard as well because it goes against the very fiber of our existence. It is in our natural tendency to sin and to desire doing those things that ultimately bring about our own self-destruction. But despite all of the tough things we may have talked about, think about this one very important thing. Forever is a very long time. You can choose to live this life and follow sin and maybe everything might be okay within human standards of course. But what about after? What happens when the so-called fun ends? What is left after the fact? Where will your spirit go? Where will you spend eternity? What will happen when your strength fades away, when it becomes difficult to keep breathing, when your heart can barely keep beating anymore, when you are alone without anyone else around you, and when it is close to impossible to keep your eyes open? What then? You might think that this all sounds dramatic, and yes, it does, but reality is very dramatic and death my friends is inevitable and we don't know when it will happen the unborn die all of the time children go meet their maker often teenagers pass away young adults also people of middle age and of course the elderly all go to meet God someday what will that day be like for you when will that day be Will you see it coming, or will it catch you completely off guard? No one knows. Only God knows. But the wise, those that search for the one that knows all things for God, will be ready for whenever and however it happens, because they will be living in such a way that they will be ready to meet their Maker and to receive what He has in store for those that love Him and seek after Him, doing the difficult through Jesus Christ to receive the eternal reward. So I have one question for you. Are you living wisely or foolishly like that day is never coming for you?
Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, for your love, for your guidance. Lord, because you want us to understand that there's something far greater that is waiting for us when we rely on you, when we trust in you, when we put our faith in you. Lord God, you have greater things than this world could ever offer for those that love you. Heavenly Father, help us to cling on to your wisdom, to your understanding, to, to what you want to teach us. Help us to make these things a part of our lives. To understand that it is an irrefutable truth. And to understand very clearly that someday, sooner or later, we will stand before your throne. And that we need to be ready for that moment. Because that moment will determine where we spend eternity. Heavenly Father, help us to understand to live our lives wisely while we're here. To take advantage of the opportunities that you give us here through Jesus Christ. To be able to do things that impact eternity. Not to worry about the here and now and, the, and just the small petty and vain things that this world has. Help us to understand that again your things are much greater. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand and have an open heart and an open mind to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we continue studying God's Word. Please feel free to write to us through our website if you have any questions or just need some prayer. Our web address again is www.thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.